Hi, everyone. This is Patrick. Thank you for tuning in this week. I have a dear friend of mine on. His name is Tom Dyson. I've known Tom since 2011. He was actually on the podcast in 2012. I'm sure we'll link to that in the show notes. But over the last couple of years, Tom has had a transformational experience. That, that word probably doesn't even do it justice, but it will leave you on the edge of your seat wanting to learn more. Uh, he, in 2018, you know, Tom lost his business. He lost his marriage, uh, had some really difficult times, and he hit the road. Uh, and just a short while later, his, his ex-wife uh, invited him to travel with her and, and uh, their three young children uh, across the, the U.S., which ultimately led to traveling the world, uh, traveling to places that most of us would not take our children. But through that experience, you know, Tom personally transformed uh, the, his, his, uh, the meaning he was seeking, I believe, was found uh, in all of this. But additionally, he uh, refined his view about the, the world, the world economy, investing, and, and you're going to hear it. It's almost, it's almost prophetic. You know, Tom first started to tell his story on Instagram to just a few followers. Then that uh, expanded to email to just close friends and family. But Tom writes daily now, and you can find those writings as well as everything that uh, tracks back to 2018 on uh, bonnerandpartners.com. The newsletter is called Postcards from the Fringe. And we link to that in the show notes as well. So if you didn't uh, make out uh, that URL, just head over to thewealthstandard.com and you can access the links uh, The links there. So Tom has always had a passion for economics investing, uh, for the, the world economy, for business. And it, it was lost, you know, last, uh, last couple of years with all that he went through. But he regained a, a passion for it and started to write about his view of What's going on in the world? And this is all uh, preceding what we're currently experiencing in, in the world. That's why I wanted to have him on. You know, Tom founded the uh, Palm Beach Research Group with Mark Ford uh, back in 2011 or 2012, I believe, which has become one of the most successful financial publications out there. Tom also worked on Wall Street, and he is one of the greatest writers out there when it comes to uh, making it simple, making it interesting, making it intriguing. You guys are going to really enjoy this interview and also enjoy uh, Tom's postcards from the fridge. Again, you can access that at bonnerandpartners.com. Hey, thanks for all your support, guys. Really appreciate it. And I really hope you enjoy this interview with my dear friend, Tom Dyson. Hi, everyone. It is such a pleasure to have uh, my, my good friend, Tom Dyson, uh, on the podcast today. It's going to be a it's going to be a great interview. Tom has uh, experience and insight into into the world, especially over the last couple of years that most don't have. And as we're currently experiencing uh, kind of a world a worldwide uh, change and turn of events, I think it's important to gain uh, various perspectives to to really understand what's uh, what's going on. And and Tom, I believe, has a different perspective than than most. So first off, Tom, welcome. Welcome. It's awesome to to hear your voice. I was joking before we started recording that, uh, you know, I, I read your your uh, your your letters uh, from the field, and I read them in your voice. It's kind of a kind of kind of weird with that, with a British accent. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm really excited to be talking with you, and uh, excited that we made this time, and also excited for the listeners to learn 
from what you've been experiencing over the last couple of years. So, so welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Likewise, it's uh, it's a pleasure to to hear your voice. We've we've been friends for a for a long time, and I haven't haven't spoken to you in a while. So, yeah, happy well, to. Well, you have you've spoken to me indirectly. We can put it we can put it that way, and, and yeah. we'll, we'll give a link to you know what you have been writing about the last uh, man. It's been what eighteen months, or or maybe even a year. I can't even keep track of time. Time is going too fast these days, but we'll, we'll post a link to what you've been writing about, what you've, what you've been up to, but maybe share in a nutshell, you know, what you, you know, what you've been doing the last, uh, last couple of years. Yes. So, <laughs> well, I've been on a roller coaster. I've been on a, life has been a very, um, but, yeah, it's been, been amazing really. So I guess, um, I guess I'll, I'll start right from the beginning and that is I crashed my life big time uh it, it didn't happen overnight it was a process of, of a couple of years where i just i got divorced i lost my business um i lost connection with my children i've got three kids um i lost contact with a lot of my friends and family and i spiraled into a, a, a really bad depression and um and uh, you know, I don't mind saying this. I I wanted to kill myself. I had a lot of suicidal thoughts and um, tried everything to fix it. Obviously, I took um, you know uh, you know the the pills that the psychiatrists give you. I tried um, you know all kinds of uh, self help books, therapy, y- yoga, um, meditation, exercise, uh, uh, drugs and alcohol. You know, I just I tried everything and. Um, and it wasn't until I actually quit and I just gave up and um, kind of ex- accepted that that I my life would would be in pain forever that actually the pain started clearing and I, I ended up um, you know on the path to recovery uh, only through acceptance and and so what happened was um, it got so bad that my ex-wife Kate said to me Tom you're useless you're absolutely useless to me and to the kids in the state you're in. So I want you to, to, to leave town and I want you to go and find yourself again. And I will take care of the kids because we were divorced. We were, you know, like every other divorced couple passing the kids back and forth to each other, uh, you know, every other weekend type thing. And um, she said, I'll take care of the kids and, and you go and fix yourself. So, so I, uh, I went to Scotland in the middle of winter and started like walking up and down mountains. And, and then, um, then I went to South Africa and, and found a, a bunk bed in a like a surfers commune on a on a beach somewhere and, and went surfing every day and um and it was while I was away that Kate Kate mentioned to me in passing that she you know seeing as I wasn't around she thought she might go on a road trip with the kids and show them some national parks and I was like well you know maybe maybe I can come with you maybe I can be like your you know, your luggage porter, your navigator, I can be your chauffeur, I can be your babysitter, I can be your, um, uh, you know, your, your, your security guard, I can set up the camp for you, you know, I can be like your, your general employee, and she thought about it. And then she said, Yeah, okay, why not? You know, so, so I flew back to Florida, we rented a van, a camper van, and then um, off we went on a on a road trip that ended up lasting for 35 days, we spent 35 days on the road, we didn't stay in a hotel the whole time. We just camped out. We saw the Grand Canyon. We saw the redwood trees. We uh, we saw the. We went to Utah. We we um, 
we saw a couple of the national parks there. Utah is such, such a gorgeous, it is the most strikingly beautiful state in the, in, in America, in my opinion. Um, we, what else did we do? We swam in the Pacific Ocean. We swam in the Atlantic Ocean. We, we just had a great time. And, um, and so somewhere along there, we said, well, uh, let's, let's, let's keep doing this, you know? So we, uh, um, I said I already lost my business, but I did have a job. We we threw in the job. By the way, a garbage truck's about to go past, so it's we're gonna get some some environmental noise here. That's okay. We can edit edit that out. Um, should I just stop talking? Let this thing go by. Yeah, let it let it go by. That'd be probably, that'd be best. This is a good. This is an important point. <laughs> yeah. You won't be long. Sorry, Patrick. No, it's okay. I, there's a usually there's a yeah there's a, a a street sweeper that comes by here at a certain time in the morning. So I've known like not to do anything recording wise while he's yeah. passing. Okay, <laughs> it's actually not that. Go. It's actually not that bad. It's not okay. that bad. Here's the last one. All right, sorry about that. So anyway, um, yeah, we're out there on the road. We thought, well, we're, we're having a pretty good time, so let's keep going. So I, I had a job, and um, I quit, quit the job I was doing. We, we, we closed our apartments. We sold all our possessions. We sold everything we, we had. We packed a, a little suitcase, and we flew to Europe. And then we ended up doing um, a three-month trip uh, riding trains uh, with a Eurail ticket around Europe. And then um, we had such a great time doing that. We thought we'd keep going. So we ended up going to Africa and then uh, the Middle East. And then uh, we went to India and, and Southeast Asia and then China and then Japan. And, and um, we, we just had this epic sort of like 18 month uh, odyssey around the world. And, um, and we came back to America about, Two months ago, we thought we'd get back to work, and and by the way, uh, we we fell in love again. We restored our our relationship and and decided to um, to get married. And so basically, uh, it's there's a long story, but a long story. We've 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 got our family back together, and um, and we came back to America to, with the idea that we might settle down and and get back to work and kind of return to a more conventional life. And then we thought, you know what? Forget it. We're going to keep traveling, and so um, we'd just been in Nicaragua, and we were about on our way to Argentina when this uh, the story about the coronavirus exploded, and we were we uh, kind of got we had our wings clipped basically. So we're we're hunkering down in South Florida now. But that's that's basically the story in a nutshell. And then um, just one other thing I should add is that um, somewhere along the way, as my as my kind of uh, passion and joy for life returned on this trip. Um, you know, it's sort of like, sort of like uh, the ice started thawing. And, um, and I started, I've always been so fascinated by the investment markets and, and uh, macroeconomics and all this. I started studying again. And, um, and, I, and I got a little, uh, 
I got a little windfall, a little financial windfall sometime during this point. And so I started studying the markets and figuring out what I was going to do with this money. And, um, and I ended up putting the whole thing into gold, everything, a whole lot. And, um, and then, uh, you know, I, I started getting more interested and I started writing these, these postcards back to my friends and you're on my list too, mm-hmm. kind of describing the, the crazy adventure we were having. And then also talking about my, what I was learning about the financial markets and, um, and about gold and stuff. And it, it became this thing called postcards from the fringe, which is you alluded to earlier. And so I've been writing now for, it's actually about a year. I've been writing these postcards from the fringe. And, um, and so now that's been picked up by a publisher and now. So I'm actually, uh, I've actually got a job and I'm making an income as well. So the point is like my, my life is just sort of like kind of gotten restored after this like terrible, it's, it's sort of like I had a, a, a big market crash in my life, you know, like, like I had a a big, a big 1929 crash in in the market happened in my life. But, um, but uh, I, you know, it was very painful, but I, I kind of like rebuilt uh, a better system, better economy, let's say. And now, uh, like, uh, everything's, everything's humming along again for for us, for me. And um, I've learned a lot along the way. And yeah, I hope that's, uh, no, that's a good, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like there's a life principle in these massive disruptions to life and what, and what they teach you. And, you know, you, you explained it and you go through the story, you know, in Postcards from the Fringe. And then uh, you, you also started to allude to the market. And I think right now, you know, what, what's gone on, this, this, this black swan event, this uh, anomaly that's come out of nowhere has really exposed some of the, you know, the vulnerabilities of uh, of the of the world economy mar- uh, markets in in a sense, uh, and so so maybe as we transition to to that and what you started to research and are currently writing about specifically with regards to to gold and and, and uh, you know the Dow Gold uh, ratio, like what what would you say you realize through you know this this transformational uh, series of, of of events that you previously didn't like? What did you understand or realize? uh that you didn't before but you now you now do actually no i um i i obviously could not have predicted there was a pandemic coming but what i could see very clearly and it was immediately obvious to me as soon as i started studying economics and we were in rwanda at the time we were in africa and um we had a lot of time we were volunteering at a school and we were living on a little farm in a hut and you know, we, we had so much time so I could, I could study and read. And, and it was the first thing that became immediately clear to me was that whatever house they, they built was a very unstable house. Like it was, it was functioning on the surface level, but I could see underneath, it was clearly very fragile and very broken and very stressed. And the market was extremely overvalued, both bonds and stocks and there was no margin for error like um there was no margin for error i sort of talk about it as this like just in time processing that they did in japan in the 80s this this concept of of like this new model of efficiency and deming yeah the deming model yeah I, I get that but to me what what happened over the last let's even say 30 years and i think it's been influenced and encouraged by the 
the policies in, in government and in the central bank is this whole concept of just-in-time manufacturing has been like writ large over the whole economy, where now everything is, all the profit margins have been squeezed out by leverage and by like efficiencies. And that includes globalization. That includes the way like Wall Street works. Um, it's like everyone has this mindset of, of just-in-time manufacturing, like where they don't build in any slack for interruptions and disturbances. Like I could see that immediately. And, and what that is, is short-term thinking, really. It's, it's basically ignoring the costs of black swans, and black swans always come along. Yep. But what you're doing with just-in-time processing is you're, you're acting as if there aren't black swans, and therefore you don't need to pay for the insurance. You don't need to pay for the slack, because it's Slack costs money. You know, it's a little inefficient to have Slack, to have extra capital for rainy day, to pay for, for hedges or insurance. That, that all costs money. And so if you want to pretend or, or believe that there aren't any more black swans out there, then you can get rid of that stuff and you can save a little money and cut a little corners. And, and so to me, I see the whole economy has taken that stance. Even the, the way we consume, we just, you know, even when you see like these restaurants, like, they're having to immediately fire all their employees because they can't stand one month going out of business. To me, that's just-in-time manufacturing. Like, if I were running a restaurant, I would, I would run it in a way that we could have two or three months downtime and I wouldn't have to, like, go bankrupt. Like, it shouldn't be that way. And the way people consume, like, they can't afford their mortgage payments and credit card payments if, if they lose their job, if they don't have an income for more than a couple of weeks. Like, it's all... It's just in time processing, and I could see that, and so that's why uh, I, I assume this economy is completely fragile, and I don't know when the problem's going to be, but I know there is going to be a problem, and when that problem comes, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So I just went to the sidelines. My, my, my was not a speculation on gold or a bet or some kind of advanced knowledge. It was just me saying, "This is broken. I don't want any part of this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the locker room and take a shower." You know, that's, that was kind of the mentality I had. And then the, the timing was pretty lucky. It, it didn't take more than nine months. And then this, this black swan came and, and exactly what I was fearing happened. And it, it just, as you said, it, it highlighted all the, the corners we'd cut, all the, the lack of slack in the system. And now we're paying the price. And so I'm not sure what happens from here, but I'm just so glad that, 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 that a, I, I, I had this insight and I was able to write about it for nine months and hopefully I really influenced a lot of people to, to get to the sidelines with me. And, and um, you know, I just, again, I want to add another thing that my, my belief is, and, and I know there's a lot of arguing about this, but I, I personally think there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering that we're about to go through and it hasn't even started yet. So I see these people partying on the beach. I'm not one of these people who thinks this is just the flu. Like I, I'm, I'm scared and frightened and, and, um, and I think this is serious and I, and I'm worried about the, the, um, the people in my life who, who maybe aren't as physically fit or a little bit older and, and, um, and, um, but my hope is, so, so I think there's got a lot of pain, just like, you know, that metaphor of my, my own life. I think there's going to be a lot of pain that we're about to go through. And my hope is that we can learn the lessons and that the pain won't have been in vain that we will be able to like come out of this stronger, wiser, um, 
better. My fear is that it's going to be an excuse for a massive power grab from Washington that our civil liberties are going to be stomped all over and, and that we're actually going to end up worse from it. So I don't know how that's going to go, but that, that, that's, you know, that's my... That, well, that's Tom, my it's, an, it's my an interesting fear. parallel to, to just the journey you've had personally right, where you had to experience, you know, a, a lot of uh, pain and heartache and disruption to your own life. But now, I mean, that's where it was so amazing about your, uh, the, the postcards and the letters you've been writing is you can see that transformation. At the same time, that transformation may not have been possible without, you know, the extreme pain have. in advance. It wouldn't have. I, what I needed to do was have a, a complete reorganization of my personal value, value system. Like it, it got completely reorganized. I, I was kind of a dick. I don't, you know, I, I, I'll admit that. And my values were all, were prioritized wrong. I prioritized, I prioritized. And, and a lot of it was selfishness and, and just, just not having, just not understanding, just not understanding, you know, the right, the right. I didn't place the correct values on, on, the, on, the, on the things in my life. And, and so it took a massive like punch in the face to, to reorganize that. And I hope, I, I, I just, I hope that America and, and, and the West will, will, will be able to um, kind of like reorganize our values in a better way, because I, I think our values are a little bit, and I hate, I sound, it sounds preachy to talk about this and like a high horse and all that. So I'm really afraid of, of, of sounding that way because you know it's and it also sounds a little superficial when when people are dying and and doctors and nurses are, are working like 12 hour days with their masks glued to their faces and stuff you know to to be talking about this kind of stuff seems a little superficial so you know i i, I really I really don't hope no no one thinks i sound that way but yeah but you're highlight but you're highlighting what i believe is it was was uh, evident to you before, and it's becoming evident to a lot of a lot of people. Where you know the 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 system is saturated with you know just uh, ignorance. I'm not sure if that's the the, the right word. Um, waste uh, and and I excess. You know, and I, and I look at you know right now the the what's being proposed by uh, the government is, is isn't a solution, right? It's it's just continuing to pour. It's more, more band-aids. Gasoline, gasoline more on the band-aids. fire. Yeah. It's actually the only, it's the only option they've got, you know, so I don't blame them for trying. And the, the, the mistake happens many, many years ago. The path, you know, they went round and down the wrong path, and now they've got no choice but to just keep doubling up. And, and um, you're right, band-aids, however you want to put it, that's what they're trying. They're, they're, they're trying to recreate another credit bubble. Um, and uh, I, I don't think it's, I think, I think it might work short term. <laughs> I think the long term, they're just going to make the final, the, the, the final collapse just that much bigger and greater. And so, like, again, I, don't, I just want to be on the sidelines for this financially. And, and also, like, you know, with, with my family, like, we, we just, I don't even really want to be in America right now. Um, we, we're stuck here, um, but but one thing I've learned from our travels is there are so many beautiful places out there that are actually safer than America and cost a fraction, you know. So 
so money is an interesting thing too. Um, we we paid for our trip out of savings. You know, I did eventually end up getting an income for for, for writing, but most of the time we were living off savings. You know, and and so um, we had to be very conscious of costs, and we stayed in typically in youth hostels and and places that cost 10 15 20 dollars a night you know these we were not five star you know we weren't staying in like marriott's and and um and fancy you know american hotels we we were staying in really the cheapest places we could find and that was fine it was actually really nice but but um we learned that you can live really well and be really happy in in it doesn't cost a lot of money, especially when you get away from America and Western Europe and, and some of the, the industrialized nations. And, you know, we, we could live, we realized if we had each other, and as long as we were together and we didn't have stress or responsibilities to, to making money and paying bills, we could be very, very happy living a very simple life on you know, even as, as low as like 1000 or $1,500 a month. And so, you know, that's, that's what we want. We want to keep doing that. And, and, and sort of, uh, as long as we're together as a family, that that's the priority I was talking about. Like my, my kids and Kate, the people who I love the most, that those relationships are the most important things to me now. And, and I don't want anything to come between that anymore. Like there are no other priority that goes above that. So um, and I'm, and I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping a lot of people learn those, learn those same, those same lessons. Uh, but as, as you, you know, as you've written and, and your, your story is, is incredible, the journey is incredible to follow. So for those listening that have not uh, been, been or not heard about Tom or have not read any of the, the postcards from the fringe, we'll make sure we post, uh, post the, that link so you guys can, can subscribe. Uh, you know, but Tom, as you started to get back into really understanding the world, I mean, it's easy. It's like almost prophetic, right? What, what you have been writing about the last couple, couple of months, especially like what, you you settled on the, this idea of of gold and a Dow Gold ratio. Uh, like, what what brought you to that point? Yeah, so um, there's kind of two different. I look at I look at the the situation from two different angles, right? From two different perspectives. On one hand, I look at history, and I look at the cycles that we've been going through for 120 years. And I make assumptions about where we're going to go in the future based, based on history. And then the second way I do analysis is I look at what's going on on the ground, what's actually happening in the real world. And I use that to make assumptions about where we're going. And the two things are perfectly in sync. And basically, the, the Dow Gold ratio, what you're talking about, that is, that is my work looking at history. And, and um, so... Let me go back again to, to say that um, what I discovered was that um, money and finance and economics goes through these huge cycles and they're, they're, or waves, we could call them. And these are waves that, that typically can last as long as a generation. So this is not overnight stuff. This is, this is decades, okay? And, and what I noticed was that going back 120 years, you have these cycles where for most of the cycle, the place you want to have your money is in equities. That is stocks of American corporations, the best businesses of America that spin off dividends and serve consumers. And most of the time, 
These are great investments. And some of the time, you don't want to be in these, in these companies. You want to be on the sidelines in gold and you want to shelter. And so basically it depends on, on valuations. Like when these great businesses get very expensive, which they do periodically, that's, that's, you know, that's the time to sell. And then you go to the sidelines and then you wait for them to get cheap again. And then you get back into them. So it's kind of like a buy and hold strategy, except that um, you just have a little bit of trading to it where you buy and hold until they get expensive and then you cut and then you go to the sidelines and then you wait for them to get cheap and then you buy and hold again. So it's a very simple like on, off, on, off, cyclical kind of trade. And I, there's only actually been like, um, like eight trades in the past 120 years. And basically mm -hmm. these cycles work because, because human sentiment seems to have these big trends of going to optimism and then going to fear. And it's, they seem to be very consistent trends. Um, it's like a social mood. They, they move in these very neat trends of everyone gets optimistic and then everyone kind of gets like um, a little panicky and a little, a little worried. And the last peak in social mood was actually in, in the year 2000. That was the peak of social mood. And then since then, it's been falling. And, um, and, and in, so as the thing peaks, you want to be owning stocks. And then as it falls, you want to be on the sidelines in gold until it's ready to start rising again. And so that, that peak was in, in the year 2000, and that was the time to go to gold. And then you have wanted to be in gold ever since then. And then there's going to be a trough sometime, uh, I, I've been predicting in the next five or 10 years, where you want to get out of gold and go back into stocks again. And so, so the way I look at it, it's just a very simple in stock market investment strategy, where you buy stocks, and then you go to the sidelines in gold, wait for stocks to get cheap again, and then you buy stocks again. And we're right now, out in that time where you, you need to be hold on the sidelines. So that's the, that's the big picture view from history. And then I, I sync that up with my view of what's actually going on in the real world. And I see the government inflating. I see the government's deficit like blowing out. I see all this fragility and instability and these incredible valuations in the stock market. And, um, and this, this like, kind of a coming um, aggression with China and, and um, a bunch of other stuff. And I just, it just all synced up to my basic like view of the cycles. This is a time to be in gold. This is not a time to be like long American businesses, like this just in time processing, all the manufacturing getting done in China, like and none of the, all the consumption is being done in America. Like just, just the imbalances, like it all totally synced up with this, with this, the view of history that I was having in theory. And, and so um, that's where we are now. And it's like the, the virus has nothing to do with any of this. It's just, it just, it's just the black the catalyst. Yeah. The catalyst. Yeah. The, the, the pin as it were. And so, um, so Tom, as you, as you studied history and looked at these, you know, these, these, this cycle, I guess you could call it like, uh, how has that given you confidence about where American businesses will wind up? Because uh, I think right now, a, a lot of what goes through people's minds is, you know, it, it, it relates to survival and that things will, will fail and, uh, and, be, uh, and be obsolete going forward. So as you look throughout history and seen these downturns, these corrections, 
however they were facilitated, whatever the catalyst was, this one being you know a, a virus, what gives you confidence that these businesses will uh, will will innovate, will learn lessons, and will uh, be even stronger uh, going forward? Does that does that question make sense? Yeah, um, I don't I don't know. Like um, it's. I guess, I guess what I would say is that I think we're in the latter stages of the end of the fear cycle. And so um, we may have, um, you know, another five to 10 years of it, depending on, on how much longer they manage to prolong it in Washington. But basically, um, I, I like, my analysis is not based on the performance of American businesses. It's more based on how much you have to pay to own a slice of them. And, okay, okay. and I think that's, and I look at it in terms of gold because I think the dollar is a very squirrely like, like line in the sand. It moves up and down as well. It's very mm -hmm. volatile. So I, I don't look at the stock market in terms of the dollar, which is why you're alluding to the Dow gold ratio. I look at the, the stock market in terms of gold it's mm. it's it's a much it's a much clearer picture it's like putting on a pair of glasses and suddenly everything comes into focus so so i look at the stock market in terms of gold and to me the stock market still has another something like 75% decline to make in terms of gold okay but that doesn't mean that stocks are going to fall the dow is going to fall in nominal terms i'm not even sure it will because i think they're going to they're going to totally hyperinflate the dollar which will make it'll give stocks the appearance of rising in nominal terms against the dollar, but in terms of gold, it's not going to make any difference. And so, so I think it's um, we're heading towards a bottom in in five or ten years of of American stock prices in terms of gold. As for the as for the long term cycles, like this is and and by the way, when that comes, I'm going to be selling every ounce of gold that we've got, and I'm going to be buying. Coca-Cola, Disney, uh, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble. Like, I'm going to be buying all these great American businesses and, um, and, 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 and switching from gold into them. And, and, and at the time when I do that, I expect no one else is going to be interested in them. No one's going to care about them. I expect everyone will probably be really into gold and silver by that time. Um, That's usually how the cycles work, though. <laughs> yeah, but these businesses don't. They, they don't like innovate that much, you know, they cook cells like, like carbonated water with a little like sugary flavor to it, you know, like that, that business doesn't change. It's the same. So like, we've we got to be careful not to confuse uh, business with, with price. And so, um, uh, but life's going to go on, you know, like life will go on. And, and I would never make the mistake of like betting on the end or something like that it's like life will go on and just by looking at history you see it always does you know by the way i got an email from uh from the life insurance company that um that you helped set me up with and they made a really good point like for 170 years we've we've been through um the spanish flu we've breathed through two world wars we've been through a great depression like we've been there we've seen it done it and life goes on and our business goes on of, of providing life insurance and, and, um, and paying dividends. So like, that's, that's how I see it too. Like life goes on, the cycles just go up and down. All you've got to do is, is just know history, think a little bit like a contrarian and, and just 
play the cycles a little bit. It's, you know, well, I think it's the lo- it's the long term. It's it's understanding the short term, but not having that as your only perspective. It's having the long term as a perspective too. And most people, as you alluded to, you know, throughout your comments, it, we're in a very short term uh, driven uh, economy and 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 society. Okay? It's it's the here and now without you know considering the long term consequences, uh, positive or or negative. So that's where it's. It's interesting to look at how you're you're viewing things now and and how the majority are viewing things right now. It's very you know fear oriented, fear driven, and and it's, that's where I think the you know the, the the Fed and Washington D.C. is trying to band aid over to prevent ma- mass hysteria. Which yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, we all become victims of our emotions, and I do too. Um, and and the emotions generally lead you to do the wrong thing at the wrong time and um and so what what i find really helpful is to have this like kind of a lens of history and an analysis that that takes emotion out of it but i i know like i know emotion is counterproductive i feel it i get fearful like i start you know imagining the end of the world just at the exact moment where where the stock market's about to start going up you know and like, like, like I'm, I'm no different to anyone else. It's just I have this like perspective, and I know also I'm aware of it. And so I do slightly crazy things. Um, well, these might sound crazy, but for example, the the reason I really like life insurance, whole life insurance, is because I can't get out of it. Like I can't just click on my mouse and open my broker and and, and like ditch it. <laughs> I can't do that. It's like I'm a forced long-term investor, and it's the same with gold. I, I made the point of only buying gold in physical form physical. And, and then burying it like in, in like encasing it in concrete and chucking it at the bottom of a lake. <laughs> so there's no way I can wake up one morning and be like, I, uh, I got to sell, I got to get out. This is, you know, like I can't do it even if I wanted to. I'm, I'm like the, um, I'm like the guy, they, uh, you know, he had his sailors like tie him to the mast and, 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 <laughs> There's, there's no way I can like I could sell my gold even if I wanted to because I know that I'm I'm susceptible to um to like panicking and 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 selling stuff and so I, it's a psychological game and you got to know that too so so it sounds a little crazy but it it keeps me it, it keeps me from like I can't I can't panic out of my positions even if I wanted to. So maybe as we conclude this, no, because you're you're right. I mean it. Life, life is just a, a series of emotions if you, if you think about it. And the majority of it is, is unconscious, like subconsciously driven. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating, right? But we, that's a whole other, whole other conversation. Uh, but, you know, Tom, right now, you know, given the, the series of events, has anything changed? Has your perspective changed? I mean, obviously, there's been tremendous disruption uh, in just a week. It's amazing, like, what could happen? Like, how... How you know far things could go in just one week? Uh, like, has has anything changed your perspective that you held pre that you held previous, or or maybe has it has it magnified it? It's reinforced it. Reinforced. Yeah, it's reinforced it. Um, like, I'm not doing anything. Like, there is nothing I'm doing differently than I was two months ago. This this Corona thing hasn't altered my my plan or my strategy. Like I haven't changed my my financial kind of uh, plans. Like I haven't. I'm I'm not calling you up to get get me out of whole life insurance. Like I'm 
you know, nothing's no it's reinforced it completely um and i guess it's it's emphasized you know again like what our priorities need to be like family each other um and and uh you know yeah like our kids things like that like it's being at home not working you know like all that kind of stuff it's it's really eerie actually and that's what's and i told you that before we recorded it's like it's like the world is now ex- kind of experiencing a lot of what you experienced and what you settled on as uh, what was providing the, the most meaning in your uh, in your life, which is your kids and your uh, and and Kate. And now you know you have the world that is essentially working from home, and kids aren't going to school; they're at home. <laughs> and- yeah, it's like um, you're right. Like I, I, I lost my job and my work, and 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 basically ended up. In in a ho- in a small hotel room with with uh, Kate and the kids uh, with nothing to do, you know, and um, and that's what our life has been like for the last two years, and it turned out to be like the most beautiful thing ever, and and I've learned so much, and I don't ever want to go back. But the difference is that, well, I I, I guess I was going to say, you know, we we chose that way, whereas everyone else is being forced into forced. it, and when you get forced into doing something. It, you don't sometimes feel the same way about it as if you choose it voluntarily, but, but we were forced into it too. You know, it wasn't our choice to, to do that. It was, it was forced on, on me by, by depression and mental illness and, and, um, and, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll be, it'd be very interesting to see if more people do homeschooling now and if, if less people like go to the office and commute every day and, and if less people like are, are buying things they don't need, you know, and, and filling up their houses with, with stuff they don't want. And, you know, I, I wonder how, how people's mentality will change. I imagine the, it's going to change. Yeah. What's the cliche of, of, you know, you don't value what you have until it's gone. And, and, you know, it's the scarcity principle that creates, you know, a, a relative price, you know, but, but in, but in the end, you know, I look at, you know, what's going on right now is just part of the, the human experience where we live in a nonlinear uh, world, even though we think we, we assume that it is linear. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think right now the disruption is going to to help people grow and help people learn. Uh, and it, yeah, it's going to be interesting how it how it all uh, play, plays out. But, you know, I, I try to look at just history as well and cycles and uh, and how we have you know gone through difficult times in the past. I mean, my mom had my mom had polio. And, you know, I talked to her the other day and, you know, I never heard the story of like the, the years, right, of fear that people had just, you know, uh, with, with that physically debilitating uh, virus, right? But yeah. it's one of those things where I think we, you know, we have a very short-term perspective. And if you look at history, you know, we always uh, progress. It's not linear, but at the same time, you know, there are those, there are those cycles. And I think if you follow them, that you can find uh, opportunity and find the meaning in it. Uh, well, Tom, I'll give you the fi- final final word, but I, I just want again p- to to plug postcards from the fringe because you're writing uh, daily, correct? Or every every, day every I write, yeah, every day I write a little a little postcard where um, yeah, it's it's very short. It's there, you know, you can read them in five minutes. A lot of my readers tell me they uh, they <laughs> they take them into the lavatory with them to read. <laughs> they're, um, they're very short, easy reads, and and um, every day, yeah. Okay, well, I'll put the the link in our uh, in our show notes 
Uh, and but but I'll I'll spell it out here uh, in, in case you guys want to write it down and have the ability to do that. It's Bonner and Partners uh, forward slash. Uh, I think it's notes or uh, postcards from the fringe. Correct? Is that the the URL? I think so. Yeah, there, there might be some dashes in there somewhere though. But I think if you just search in Google postcards from the fringe, it'll come up. Okay, perfect. Well, Tom, it was, it was a pleasure. Thank you again for taking uh, taking the time, and let's let's keep uh, keep in touch and and connect again and. Uh, and discuss kind of some some of the the uh, resulting uh, impact of uh, what's going to happen with uh, some of the fiscal things that are happening, monetary things that are going to happen over the next uh, next couple of weeks, months. Uh, it should be interesting how it all shakes out. But thanks for what you do. Thanks for writing again and uh, and sharing your uh, sharing your wisdom. I know it's benefited me in, in a lot of ways, uh, but I know it has for for readers as well. Uh, so thanks again, Tom. Any any last words before we part? Uh, no, that's all, Patrick. I appreciate the, the nice words, and it was, uh, it, was, it was really nice talking to you. Okay, everyone, uh, go ahead and visit the show notes for some of the links we've mentioned, uh, thewealthstandard.com, and we'll talk to you next time.